when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to events that will move markets in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week, we'll be moving from this... Barrett, Britain's major private house builder, offers the largest choice of top-value houses, from £8,000 right up to £50,000. ...to this... It's more sophisticated, yet less complicated. It's more powerful, yet less cumbersome. It can store vast amounts of yesterday, or tell you what's in store for tomorrow. It can draw a picture or it can draw conclusions. It's a personal computer from Apple, and it's as easy to use as this. Macintosh, the computer for the rest of us. And finally, a bit of Mike Ashley. And Sports Direct, therefore, has to pull its socks up. Simple as that, fellas. I'm joined by Tom Knowles, property correspondent of The Times, Alexandra Freen, one of our business columnists and technology watcher, and Alex Ralph, The Times stock market reporter. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Tom, let me start with you. Barrett Developments, we heard there the ad. Houses up to £50,000 in your dreams, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, average selling price these days is about 260000 yeah, for the last year. So I think uh, 50000 would would barely get you the deposit, to be honest. But Barrett is a very important house builder. It's the, it's the biggest by volume in, in the country. So any sort of sign of of a downturn post-referendum is, is really looked upon as a sign of the housing market in general. But we've heard from a lot of the housing uh, companies, the house builders now, over the summer periods, with most of them with, with half-year results. Is the feeling, if you like, post the referendum and, and looking ahead to the autumn, is the feeling one of optimism? Or are there a lot of uncertainties, do you think, particularly for investors, of course? I think it's one of, of cautious optimism. That's that's what the chief executives tend to say. Um, no one really noticed a, a big drop in, you know, there, there weren't many people pulling ourselves uh, immediately after Brexit most have continued operating as normal um help to buy helps a lot of first-time buyers so that that's a big sub support for the house builders in general and i think it'll be a much more of a slow gradual process if there is economic uncertainty and people feel that maybe they you know their jobs are in danger then yes they probably will start declining in 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 buying houses but i think that will be some time away from from here Alex, let me bring you in here. I mean, in stock market terms, how is the housing sector faring? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, investors have sort of taken their lead from some of the, the cautious optimism that Tom calls it from those chief executives. I mean, the sector was sold off aggressively in the in the wake of the vote, and since then, like the banks, um, they've started to recover slightly. Although um, Barclay Group, which is a more London-focused upmarket builder, um, that was demoted this week from uh, from the FTSE 100, which sort of indicates the extent of, of the falls that we've seen in those in those stocks. Will they become less of a force then, do you think, in, in, in stock market? Will, it, will, will we see more dropping out of the FTSE 100? I mean, there was only one change. It's a quarterly review, um, so the next one won't be until the end of the year. So it's, it's quite a long way off. It's, it's difficult to say at this stage. It's all about London, really. If you're a house builder that builds in London, you're seen as more at risk from the downturn than those who you know, build in the north or, or even sort of in the outer areas of the southeast. So Barclay Group are going to make investors more nervous than, say, even Barrett Homes. Alex, can I just bring you in here? Alexandra Freen, you've just moved back from the United States and have been looking at houses and, and the housing market generally for places to live. I mean, what strikes you most about the UK housing market coming back to it as you have after so long away? Well, it's a very different market because the issue in it, the United States is one of oversupply of housing stocks. So it's a completely different market. And it's interesting that the number of mortgage holders who are still underwater on their mortgages in America after the housing crisis is is still really shockingly high. But what interests me is if you look at the the amount of money that's being pulled out of um, mutual funds um, on both sides of the Atlantic, where is that money going to go? People aren't just going to sit on piles and piles of cash, are they? I would have thought that a lot of people will want to plough that into housing. But then isn't it self-fulfilling? I mean, in a way, we've got the buy to let, haven't we, here? And people have done that. But gradually, they're being squeezed out of the market, it seems, if nothing else, by the tax system. So it's, again, distortions in the housing market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people were very angry with George Osborne introducing a 3% extra stamp duty tax for buy to let or second homes. But that, that was partly used to try and help those who were struggling to get onto the property ladder on on the lowest rung into the housing market. And actually, it was really interesting. The nationwide house price index for August came in um, higher than July. It was uh, prices went up by 0.6, even though everyone thought there'd be a sort of immediate slight fall after Brexit. Um, And that people are saying that's because the sheer lack of supply on the housing market means that there'll be a sort of a real bottom to the house price falls. And the Halifax, of course, is coming. Halifax is out next next uh, week um, and sometimes varies uh, quite widely from nationwide. Other times they're, they're quite aligned. So, yeah, nationwide showed a, a, a rise of 0.6% in August from July. I imagine it'll be flat, but um, no one knows at this point. You ask economists and, and their guess is as good as ours at this time of uncertainty. All right, well, let's leave that there for the moment. Plenty to talk about and... Uh, keep a watch on those house prices and those breaking stories as they happen. Now, it's been an expensive few days for Apple with a demand from the European Commission to pay back taxes to Ireland worth around 13 billion euros. This is what Apple Chief Executive Tim Cook told Ireland's national broadcaster RTE. It's maddening. It's it's maddening. It's disappointing. Uh, It's clear uh, that this comes from a political place. Uh, it has no basis in fact or in law. 
That was Tim Cook there talking to RTE, the Irish broadcaster. Alex Freen, I mean, clearly Apple has the money sitting somewhere offshore, I assume. But what are the implications, not just for Apple, but I'm thinking here, all the big uh, US tech companies that have a, a presence in the UK, Google, and Amazon. I mean, there must be some fallout from this, isn't there? Well, there are other US companies, especially tech companies, that are being examined by the European Commission. So this will have scared them a little bit. I think, though, there, there are many other questions. You know, Tim Cook says this is political. Of course it's political. Taxation is political. And, you know, that's a bit, I, d I don't know. He's disingenuous? Disingenuous, I guess, would be the polite way of, of saying it. He, he could easily pay this without breaking into a sweat. That's not really the issue. The issue is that there's a regulatory gap which Apple fell down and, and managed to avoid taxes that the US government would like. You know, we've heard a lot of complaining from the Treasury Secretary in America, Jack Lew, about this uh, fine or penalty. He wants that money to go to the US taxpayer. It's not that he cares that much about Apple, even though he says he does. It raises much, much bigger issues, I think. If you take the whole Apple thing, if you take the Brexit vote, if you take the opposition that's growing towards the big trade deals that are being negotiated, a rise in protectionism, to me, what we're seeing is some kind of backlash against globalisation. We haven't figured out how to make globalisation work. And this is, a lot of these things are coming to a head now. And this is an example of that. If, if we're going to have a truly global system, we need to figure out the tax situation around the world. This is upsetting all the good work that's been done to get global agreement on taxation. And this has messed things up and spoiled it, queered the pitch for everyone else. And... You know, we've got G20 meeting in China. This is a perfect opportunity. And I, I hope that the global leaders take advantage of this Apple ruling to discuss these issues and, and to get a, a, a move on, really, in coming to some better workable solution. Alex, uh, Ralph, can I just ask you, though, what, what was the reaction in the market to this? I mean, it's, it's a, I know it's a, it's a stock market quoted company in America as opposed to Britain, but were there any ripple effects from the ruling or did people just shrug their shoulders and say, as Alex said, this is about globalisation, it's not about stocks and shares? Yeah, it was very much the latter. I mean, for those that remained in the city and, and aren't still on the beaches, it was, it was very much a shrug of the shoulders. Tax policy in the past has hit stocks, whether that's been um, in, from Washington on uh, clamping down on tax inversion deals, which is which has rippled across the Atlantic insofar as it, it can make M&A less likely to happen. But I think this was very much seen by the market as, as quite a unique standoff between Europe and, and the United States over um, a, a, a big symbolic target. Isn't there, Alex Freen, an element here of retrospection, though? Because Apple have claimed they paid $400 million in one year, making it Ireland's largest corporation taxpayer by quite some margin. So this is really arguing about something that they say they did everything perfectly legal. So to change it now or to demand back taxes could be seen as retrospection. They did what the Irish government asked them to. Yes, but the question is, is when the Irish government asked them that, whether that represented a sweetheart deal. And that is, you know, Tim Cook has been very clear saying we didn't have a sweetheart deal. The European Commission says, yes, you did. Um, if you look at the documents that the Commission has produced, you know, there were letters from Apple to the Irish government, which made it look like they were bullying Ireland to, to cut them this deal. Um, that's my interpretation of it. So... It depends on whether, whether that counts as a sweetheart deal, and I'm sure the lawyers will make plenty of money trying to hammer that one out. Well, amen to that. Lawyers always make money.
Well, we're going to take a short break now, but when we return, we'll be looking ahead to the Sports Direct Annual General Meeting. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Now, on Wednesday, Sports Direct will hold its AGM, and this year it's certainly up its doors to all comers. Before I come to you, Alex Ralph, here's a surprising confession from Mike Ashley when he appeared before MPs earlier this summer. Do you think your company has outgrown your ability to manage it? Probably, a long time ago. Well, Alex Ralph probably ran out a long time ago, but he's still there. What are the main talking points going to be at this meeting, as far as you can see, the headline grabbers? Well, there'll be plenty of them. It's, it's probably going to be the most explosive annual meeting of the year. Mike Ashley will be up there, although he's he tends not to say an awful lot, but investors will want to know um, what on earth's going on in their warehouses. They've been accused of, um, of having uh, Victorian practices, not paying the minimum wage. And corporate governance has also been a major issue, so it's it's a case of take your pick. It, it could go on for some time. Well, one of the things is apparently is that, that's emerged recently, isn't it, is that his brother in some way um, has a deal with with the company, and it's all above board, but it hadn't been declared in the way that a lot of the corporate governance uh, patrollers would like. So is there something fundamentally wrong, do you think, with the board of the company now? Uh, it, it, the, the company was founded by Mike Ashley, and there's been a long-held concern that he still runs the company as if it's his own business, even though it's 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 been a, a public company now for some time. Uh, he still owns 55% and is therefore the controlling shareholder. Um, but the worry is that um, investors aren't getting a fair cop because uh, he's running it as if it's his own fiefdom uh, and keeping the family on the books. I don't know if journalists uh, are going to be allowed into the AGM this year but last year I, I tried getting in um, and journalists usually usually can go along to AGMs but but this um, they were having none of it and and the the sort of headquarters is in the middle of nowhere really and it was me a, and a journalist from the Guardian and one from the Daily Mail and we were standing at the door it was like trying to get into a club we were begging to be let in using any sort of excuse about how we knew people or, you know, oh, we talked with the manager, but but this sort of lawyer and, and burly bodyguard weren't letting us in. And then eventually, um, I think the Guardian journalist managed to charm someone into letting us in. And it was it was quite an explosive meeting even then. So I expect it will be more so this year. Alex Freeman, looking at these these sort of arguments about corporate governance and boards, do they go on in America? I mean, do, do shareholders turn out in their droves to these meetings and register protests? tests over pay or the composition of the board? Uh, the same thing happens, but I have to say most of the AGMs I've been to of American companies, it's it's not that the shareholders are coming in mass. There's, there's always just like the awkward squad turns up and asks really obscure questions that take 10 minutes for the chairman to answer. There is a, a history, isn't there, of entrepreneurs. I'm thinking here of, of Richard Branson, of, of Alan Sugar, people who've stood out have had a relationship with the stock market and it's always been rocky. It's never really worked. Do you think Mike Ashley is in that same mould? Well, no, he was he, he was a superstar, I think, to begin with. But but now slowly all these... I think the media's had a big part to play in, in, 
in sort of the the company's issues because you know there's been a lot of investigations in into work practices at sports direct and has not helped his share price i don't think i don't know if alex disagrees with that alex when it first went public uh he i think he famously struggled to adjust to you know life with fund managers in the city and the rest of it and, and he famously uh, called them crybabies over over one particular falling out but it then sort of went quiet the relationship and and the share price rose and and trading was going very well and and everything looked rosy but it seems to have rid its head again quite quite strongly in, in recent months at the end of the day who wins will it be mike ashley or will it be the stock market well, it hasn't been the stock market this year. The shares have half since since the turn of the year. But they're telling you something then, aren't they? These shares aren't worth holding. Is that what they're telling you, basically? That's probably the only language that Mike Ashley understands is when it starts to hit him in the pocket. And then we'll see results. Do you think we will see changes over the coming months? I think it's got to come to a head at some point. He's got he's got Westminster, he's got the city and, and Fleet Street all after him. Well... What a terrifying thought. It's like the pack behind you. Well, we'll leave it there for now. Well, thank you all very much. And remember, you can keep up to date with all those events as they happen. And we will have reporters at the AGM. So you can keep up to date with that via your tablets, your phones, and of course, in the paper. Don't forget that. If you are a Times subscriber, then take an opportunity to sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. And if you don't have a subscription, go to thetimes.co.uk and you'll find a special offer there. It's still there, one pound. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Alexandra Freen, Tom Knowles and Alex Ralph. They're all on Twitter, so you know what to do. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Ready Business Britain.